Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. That was from our hymn of the day. And you'll notice that our hymns each week are coordinated with the appointed lessons. That is intentional. Uh, In this second week of Advent, we encounter John the Baptist, or sometimes you'll hear him called John the Baptizer to avoid any confusion. Sometimes, believe it or not, there are people who think John was like the first Baptist. You know, he was not. He was a baptizer. It describes what he did. So um, uh, John the Baptizer was uh, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Now, you might think, Don't we encounter John in the New Testament? And of course we do. But he is truly the last in the line of the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets were those that were looking forward to the coming Messiah. And that's what John is doing. He's looking forward to the coming Messiah. The text says in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Luke here establishes with characteristic precision, the historical details. And then that's Luke. He was a physician by trade. He was a doctor. He, he is very meticulous and even says that he wants to be, he wants to provide a very thorough accounting uh, in his gospel. Uh, by his description here, we know that this, these events occurred somewhere around between 26 and 29 AD. Uh, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So firstly, I want to dwell on this for a moment. As I said, John was an Old Testament prophet. He had direct revelation from God, and he received a direct revelation from God while he was in the wilderness. He carried that message, and he preached it throughout that region of the Jordan. This was a rather desolate area, so anyone that was coming to hear him or to see him would have traveled to get there. It's not like he was in the, you know, the corner uh, of, of the city. He was, he was out in a desolate area. Um, what was he preaching? A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And we have to keep that all together. We're not going to separate this as though these are separate things. It, it all goes together. John preached repent. That means turn away from your sins. He preached a baptism that follows such repentance. And he taught that this baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. That's why I say we want to keep this all together. We don't separate these things as though... They don't all go together, but they do. Repenting, being baptized, and being forgiven of your sins all come together in the work that John is doing in the wilderness. God's word makes clear to, uh, to this passage that John the baptizer was a fulfillment of the prophecy that was given by Isaiah. Isaiah, and you'll recognize that from our intro with, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is from Isaiah 40. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. 
This is the preparation work. And then the final uh, portion of the passage. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So John is crying in the wilderness. He's in a literal wilderness. As I said, it's a desolate place. He's also in a spiritual wilderness. Because the people were dead in their sin. People then, much like today, have a sin condition. Since the fall, we have inherited this sin nature from Adam, and we have this. Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Because that's the condition of our hearts, the way needs to be prepared. The way needs to be prepared for the gospel to come. Salvation can come, but the way has to be prepared. And that's what John is doing. He is crying out in the wilderness saying, make straight, level, smooth the ground. Well, that is a metaphor. John is not saying we need to get out our shovels and pickaxes and and, uh, make straight the paths for the Lord. He's talking about what it takes for the heart to be prepared. And what does it take for the heart to be prepared to receive the good news? Well, it takes repent. That's what it takes. But it takes the hearing of God's law to know what is it I'm repenting of? Have I kept God's law? No, I haven't. Therefore, I need to make straight the the path, the way to which the Lord comes, the way by which all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. Now, many came to see John and came to be baptized, but he didn't baptize everyone. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This is the charming discourse that's characteristic of faithful preachers sometimes. It it sounds jarring, you know, and it makes it seem like, gosh, that is a real fire and brimstone preacher. How, How mean, how unloving, how unkind. No, it's quite the opposite. He's recognizing a real issue with the human heart. And... There is, there is salvation, but you can't even see the need for that salvation unless you first receive in your heart conviction from your sins. And, and unless God grant you repentance, you won't even need a Savior. Oh, Jesus died to save me from my sins? That's all nice and well. What sins? See, this is what is happening now. Is there are many people who don't, they don't, recognize their own sin. All right. So John has a a healthy and reverent fear of God. That's what causes him to say these words. If I could put his question in a different way, it would be this. Why did you come here? Did you come to justify yourself by excuses? I mean, we can ask ourselves this question. 
Put this to yourself. Why did you come here? Were you thinking, um, well, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I do the right thing. I try my hardest. These are all things that we can soothe our, our consciences with, right? I try my hardest. I do my best. I attend church, right? I'm here. These are all excuses. The other question is, did you come here to beg for mercy? And that's the question John is putting to the people. He's saying, did you come here to justify yourselves or did you come here to beg for mercy? He also tells them, don't put any trust in your genealogy. God made a promise to Abraham that he would have many sons and daughters and he can fulfill that promise from these very stones. He can make children of Abraham from these stones. He doesn't need you who would cling to your genealogy and say, but I'm a Jew, I'm part of the chosen race. And John is telling them, no, he doesn't need you. You need him, he doesn't need you. Those who were contrite in heart asked, what then shall we do? Notice John's answers. If you have two tunics, give one away. Whoever has food, share it. Soldiers, don't abuse your power. Tax collectors, tax collectors were hated. I mean, they were seen as like, I mean, tax collectors aren't really well loved now either, but, but seriously, it was bad then because they were seen as like, not as patriotic, but as um, actually subversive or, or like unpatriotic because the tax collectors did the dirty work of Rome in extracting taxes from the Jewish people. The Jews looked on their their. They're like, you're a Jew and you're serving the Roman imperial occupying force. You know, I mean, they were really hated, these tax collectors. John doesn't chastise them for being tax collectors. They're just doing their job. But he says, don't take anything extra, nothing. Now, what do we do with this? We say, John, seriously, come on. Everyone knows the tax collectors can skim a little bit off the top and it's okay. And everyone knows that soldiers' wages are really pretty low, so if they kind of have to, you know, threaten and intimidate someone and get a little extra, then that's what they have to do. You know, maybe it's okay if they just do it to, like, people who are already wealthy and can afford to give it away. And two tunics? I mean, seriously, John, um, there's nothing wrong with having two tunics. It's just prudent and reasonable. Because everyone, some people would wear two tunics. I mean, these were not like, it it wasn't like an L.L. Bean parka or something. It it, it was... uh, it was something where it was not unusual at all to double up, you know, when it gets cold. But besides that, I mean, isn't it reasonable to have a, an extra tunic as a spare? Yeah, I mean, but see, these are, these are self-justifying excuses. We do the same thing, too. And, and what is John's answer? It is, if you have two tunics. He's not saying it's unreasonable for you to have it. He's not saying... Wow, you're so uh, blessed with two tunics. Most people don't have any, but you have two. It was normal to have two tunics. He's just saying, if you have two, give one away. He is heightening the law. He's heightening our responsibility. But ultimately, he's saying, what is it your responsibility to do? It's to do good. It's to love your neighbor in this way. And he says, um, you know, if we were to ask the question, isn't it okay, like, just to, you know, skim a little off the top? No. He says, no, it is not okay. 
Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, he says. Speaking through the prophet Micah, God said, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is God's expectation of you, brothers, sisters. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. So how are you doing? Self-assessment time. You don't have to answer (laughs) for me. But how are you doing? Do you have two coats? Do you have any extra food? Do you have something to give, but you sit on it and hoard it for yourself? Do you find a way to justify your actions? We need to hang on to this extra coat just in case we need it, right? In the future. I don't need it right now, but I might need it in the future. Yeah, but somebody might need that right now. Your brother might need that right now, and you don't. God says, repent. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Walk humbly with God. If you feel uncomfortable right now, then I would be glad to hear that. I also feel uncomfortable. I'm preaching these words to myself and feeling a little uncomfortable about this. So... If you feel uncomfortable, I'm with you, and we're united in that. So I come back to this question again. Why have you come here? Did you come as part of a self-justification plan? Because attending church was part of the routine of doing good works and therefore earning God's favor? If that's your answer, you're dead in your sins. Did you come to beg for mercy? Understanding that John is preaching good news. The good news is that salvation of God has come to you, sinner. There is one who John, a prophet of God, no less, is not even fit to untie his sandal. One who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Don't confuse this fire with the unquenchable fire of hell. The fire with which you have been baptized is the purifying fire. That's what Malachi refers to in the uh, Old Testament lesson from today. It's like the fire that separates the dross from the silver. You know, precious metals, they heat them and the imperfections float on the top and then you kind of skim it off and that's how you separate the imperfections. That's the purifying fire with which Jesus baptizes you. 
and with which you have been baptized. Christ's fire is the one that separates your sin from you. It separates your sin from you as far as the east is from the west, as far as heaven is from earth. Your sins have been washed away. You have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. You come to beg for mercy. God in Christ forgives you. That's it. This forgiveness is yours. Enjoy the rest of your day and your life knowing that. The work is done. Christ has done it. Don't try to justify yourself. It will not work. Simply fall on your knees before Christ and and receive the forgiveness that he gives you. It is yours in Christ, brothers and sisters. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.